In the holy name of Jesus, amen. I don't know if I've ever met a pastor who actually got what he thought he was getting when he went into the ministry. Jeremiah didn't, at least not on the day that he wrote the Old Testament reading for today. O Lord, you have duped me, and I have been your dupe. That is how the New English Bible translates the first verse of the first lesson from Jeremiah chapter 20 today. Pastor Schleck didn't. He's often confided that to me. And so I've suggested to him that on the day of his funeral, this should be the Old Testament lesson. I asked if I could tell you that. He said I could because he's out of town. Oh, Lord, you've duped me, and I've been your dupe. I didn't. I must have prayed something about being a Christian, and then I ended up being a pastor. That was a funny joke. Oh, Lord, you've duped me, and I have been your dupe. And honestly, I wonder how many of you got what you signed up for, or what you thought you were signing up for when you became a Christian. How many of you signed up for a voters meeting to talk about a quarter million dollar debt? How many of you signed up for some kid to be mean to your kid in our school or in our Sunday school? How many of you signed up to struggle with issues of authority and obedience and fidelity and trust and love and purpose? How many of you signed up to struggle at all? Wasn't being a Christian, wasn't that supposed to make it easy on you? Oh Lord, you have duped me and I have been your dupe. There was a point this last week when I spent some time trying to point out the simple difference between right and wrong according to the Ten Commandments. And it was suggested to me that my explanation wasn't simple, it was that I was simple-minded. And I thought what I had signed up for was what was most rich and thick and dense and clear and solid and mattering. Oh Lord, you have duped me and I have been your dupe. So perhaps it's time Perhaps it's time to shoo you all out and shut the door and turn the key and send back the calls and find some other way that is less difficult, less demanding, and less dupeful. But then there are those 308 families that we celebrate this morning for their faithfulness for how the Lord has used them thus far, fulfilling their pledges well, and increasing their giving in the plate 8 and then 9% on top of that over the past few years. Is it just that they've been duped, that we sold them, or is it something else? And there are those teachers and staffers and pastors and volunteers who just keep coming to work every day in spite of everything else, in spite of the deficits and the mean kids and the struggles 
and all the Jesus things that pinch us. Apparently they are unaware that doors can be shut and keys can be turned and you can be shooed away and calls can be sent back. I wonder if they're just naive. And I wonder about you. It's the nicest Sunday morning of the summer so far. You could be anywhere. It's Father's Day. You could be at brunch or on the beach or playing golf and you're here. Apparently you are willing to be duped as well. Or is it something else? In most cases, being duped is a horrible thing, but I wonder if it is the Lord who chooses to do the duping. Then won't it all turn out okay? And won't it be better than okay? Won't it be best? Here is what the Lord says. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. That was the gospel for last week. That was a list of to-dos, things that the church on earth is meant to execute, to deliver to the Lord. And there is not one of those things which is irrelevant or horrible. Still, the Lord is a realist. He knows the world. And so there is the gospel for today. Jesus says, remember that when you preach the gospel and heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and send workers into the harvest, then remember that there will be days when they will call you Beelzebub. Days when you will come to fear for your sanity and for your safety. There will even be days, someday, when your tongue will be tested. Your enemies will see if you can say the name Jesus when the sword is put right here. Now that might give you pause and leave you wondering whether our Lord is something like those who recruit suicide bombers but never really be the bomber themselves. So what could possibly convince you to carry on to be a disciple? So that you would know that all is well, the Lord himself became the ultimate dupe. There is nothing more demonized or crushed under the weight of the wisdom of this world than an innocent man who hangs on a cross. When an innocent man hangs on a cross, there is nothing that is either right or fair about that. And of course, Jesus says, no student is above his master. What comes to Christ will come to you, you dupes. After the voters' meeting last week, Someone trying to be helpful, I'm sure, suggested to me that I have to be less of a dupe. That it would be helpful if I could be a bit more of a realist, if I could spend my time speaking less about Christ and more about dollars and cents. I suppose I could do that this week, and then next week I could tell you whether or not I think the Voting Rights Act should be extended, and the week after that I could go on to Social Security reform and then the Kyoto Agreement, the Saudis, and to lighten it a bit, mid-Pentecost, I could do Apple versus the PC. 
And then my whole life as a pastor would boil down to me being the man, the heavy. I could be the force. A bit like when some of you bring your kids to me at the door and say, if you don't shape up, I'm going to send you in to see the pastor this week. Which then means there's no difference between the pastor and the police. The pastor is the law. My friends, I would rather be the dupe. I have thought about this for 30 years now. I would rather be the dupe. So let me see if I can explain it just one more time. The Lord made you and loves you desperately. And you, like me, ruined that. Ran the other way and broke it all apart. And because he still loved you, he sent your big brother... Jesus Christ, to come get you. And he has gathered you up and brought you back and made you what you were and more and loved you in a way that you know not how to express. He has given you his Holy Spirit so that you can carry on now and that you can finish strong. So you are meant to live as part of his family. You are meant to live as his student, as his child, as his beloved. Not 75% of the Sundays during the school year and then skip church during the summer, but every day of your life within his love, in, in love for God and service to each other. That's how Jesus speaks. And the specifics of that are given in the Ten Commandments, which all of you know, but I wonder, frankly, if you can think about those as good news. To be his means that you're just going to have him as your own. That's the first commandment. And say your prayers each day. That's the second. And be in church each Sunday, not some negotiated number down. That's number three. And that you would be respectful of the authority of your parents and pastors. That's number four. And help each other, not hurt each other. That's five. And be faithful to your spouses. That's number six that you would never take what doesn't belong to you, number seven, and never say what isn't true, number eight. And you would be content with what you have and manage it well, that's nine and 10. And you're going to do all of that, why? Because that's just what dupes do. You're going to come to voters' meetings, and you're going to listen, and you're going to ask your questions, and you're going to be respectful, and you're going to give your leaders and your pastors the benefit of the doubt, not because you've got to, but because you get to, because that's the way the Lord arranges his family, his church. And then the next 308 are going to get on board just like the first 308 did, tithing a real 10%, a real 10%, not the 2.7% average that Lutherans give and call 10%. Why? Because you live in an area where you are very richly blessed and it is your duty under God to manage your lives so that you can give back a real 10%. Even if it means you're going to sell the extra car or give up on a new house, or forget about a vacation, or deliver newspapers before you come to church on Sunday morning. 
Not because you've got to, but because you get to, because this is what it means to be part of the church. And you're going to give to the capital campaign because you know at root the capital campaign is all about missions. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And you may work it any way you want. You may build a new building. You may take more interns. You may give it overseas to missions. You may put it down into grace school. It doesn't really matter. It's just the way life is. You're going to do that because you know that as a student of Jesus Christ, there are people in this world who are perishing. And this is just what Christians do. I will not spend the rest of my life waving my finger at you because I am not the law and I am not the man. And besides, it doesn't work anyway. Y'all will do this just because it's what dupes do. Dupes who follow, who, who, who follow, who follow the master, the one who died for you on the cross. And ultimately, if you don't do this, then maybe you aren't a dupe at all. Perhaps you're something worse, far more deadly, far more lost, something non-Christian. That's the way St. James spoke about it. Faith without works is dead. I am well aware that this may not be what you all signed on for. Me either. Most of this I learned on the fly much later in life. But it is what it is. And you will either have it full blast or you will have it not at all. What is lukewarm gets spit out of Jesus' mouth. Comfort. I could use some comfort. Is there any? I suppose it lies in the Hebrew word that gets translated duped. Literally, the word means open, the way you open a door or open a window. Scripture regularly uses it for that and also for the way you open your eyes or open your mouth or open your ears or open your hands. Most literally, I suppose, this text says, O Lord, you have opened me, and I've been opened. And isn't that what really happens when you become a Christian? when you were signed up, that the Lord opens you now to all sorts of new ways of thinking and seeing and listening, all sorts of new ways of speaking and giving and doing. Isn't that what we are all about? Isn't that the reason that we are here? And even though your friends might think you're a chump, you're a dupe, you go to church every week. You say your prayers every day. You give 10% to the church. What is wrong with you? You know better because you have the big D dupe as your big M master. And nothing can touch him, not even death, nor you. Nothing can touch you, never. 
Jeremiah 20, 11 to 13. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. O Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and probe the mind, rescue me and all the other dupes here present. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.